You're listening to Marcus Sahaba Online Radio Podcast. And welcome uh, to another edition of Wasail Al-Alama Sadiqa. Truthful news and Alhamdulillah, truthful news uh, is always uh, sourcing the right people to talk about the right things. And Alhamdulillah, many moons uh, since we spoke to a political commentator and analyst, our very own uh, Shiraz Umar. Shiraz Umar, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. And Jazakallah khair for joining us on... Uh, you're welcome, my brother. Shukran. And uh, wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi to you and all the listeners. Alhamdulillah. You know, there's many things are happening in the country. But uh, one thing that has captured the uh, imagination of uh, South Africans is that uh, video that went viral, you know, when you look at the uh, protection unit uh, for the um, vice president of this country, uh, you know, behaving yeah. in uh, such a manner that uh, sent shivers down the spine of uh, people. One wondered if uh, it wasn't videoed, would these, uh, you know, uh, people, uh, would they, they have got away? But uh, since it was uh, government or the uh, police, Bekele, uh, was uh, forced to make uh, a decision. Um, uh, the presidency was... Uh, forced to make a decision and uh, subsequently those uh, four uh, people allegedly perpetrating this crime, uh, they were suspended. What's your take on all this, uh, Shiraz Umar? Okay, look, I'll give you an explanation. But first, let us pray for our late brother, Isuk Pahad, in the lie when in a Rajun. Right, that's the first step. Second step is, let me come back to what you're saying and the question of very, very interesting things, times, and we're living in this country. First of all, it is most disgusting, right, as far as I'm concerned, as far as the people are concerned. First of all, you are a security people of the vice president of the country, Paul Mashatile. And I believe, and this is read news today, I don't know how far it's true, I believe he was in the car also. Mm-hmm. I just read it from somewhere, I don't know. I believe he was in the car. But however it may be, what these guys did, in a few words, one, they were racist. Two, they taken the two in the law in their own hands. Three, they all are armed in the middle of a traffic on the highway. And what's sad is this has been going on for a couple of years because this has been already a complaint quite a few years back about the blue light issue in our country. They've been pushing people, innocent drivers, commuters off the road, and they've been driving it. Now, the question is, what has been done for them, what they have done wrong in the country. Now, all the time they've been getting away, likely they've been really taking the law in their own hands. And I saw that clip myself and I was shocked. Is this the country we are living in currently at this stage? It is really sick, believe me or not. And what it comes, as I said earlier on, with racism, uh, I don't know what happened. This poor innocent guy, maybe in front of them or whatever it is, I know I was reading a story about a few days back. A lady did come back and she mentioned she was driving on the highway and here was this blue light guys came in, a convoy of them, and they're flicking her and she got so frantic on the main line, on I would say the fast lane on the highway, she's worried whether she can go left because in all the excitement, right, she will not cause an accident, but it put fear into everybody. Now, they drive in hell of a speed, they take the whole law in their own hands and and... and what is Becky Kelly doing about it? He's been doing nothing basically for, for the long things, for a lot of things in this country. And he's not fit to be our, I would say, you know, minister of police or whatever it is. It is really sick. And sad thing is one of the second highest position of our country, our deputy president. It is actually sick and crazy. And I, I've got no words to explain it. How do we how do we handle this? I don't know. At this stage, the way the, the ruling party is going on, with everything they're doing at the moment, currently in this country, they take the law in their own hands. Nobody is getting caught with nothing. I mean, this is crazy. It's really, really crazy. And I'm really upset about it. Personally, I spoke to so many people, about politicians. They all are very, very upset. Is this going to continue? Are we in a country that will be living like this where we fight on the highways of our own roads anymore? I mean, I don't know what to say and how to explain anymore. 
That's yeah. how crazy it is, brother. Yeah, you know, uh, you talk about uh, it being a crazy thing, and uh, you know, yeah, the uh, rumors are, or the allegations are that uh, Paul Mashetila was in the vehicle. Uh, that will put another twist and a turn to that. And uh, you know, you look at uh, the there is a history of uh, this happening uh, quite often. And uh, you know, you look at uh, Madila, uh, Madiba even had his, uh, you know, uh, protection yes. service in 1994. You know, it and, and that was a very interesting one because it was a mixture of uh, you know the apartheid uh, security. Yes. and security also uh, the, the, the freedom fighters. I mean, they were, uh, these two people had to amalgamate and uh, do a job, yes. and, and, and they did a pretty good job. And uh, what uh, also uh, we read about that is uh, uh, the budget at that time was, I don't know, maybe a million, uh, you know, a few million rands. And now the security yeah. budget for blue lights uh, is running into the billions. Uh, why is that so, yes. Shiraz? Talk to us. Like um, um, my assumption now, I would say is this: it's a total abuse in every department in this country. Everything is on increase. I mean, I came across a situation here today where a guy put a tender in, was was four different companies. He was part of it, and the the inflated price it was twenty five million. It went to two hundred eight million. I mean. Everything, if you look at this country, is inflated. Basic things, toilet paper for five rand is going to 150 rand. I mean, I mean, it's crazy. It's really sick. I don't know. But I think my own opinion is this. Everything is on a looting spree. Somewhere along the line, they're all making money out of this whole entire process. So they're increasing security. They're increasing everything, basically. If you look at it, inflated in, 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 in massive figures, massive figures. And I think it's the last uh, straw of the ruling party that's going to come in the issues. They're going to steal more and more and more. Nobody has curbed that, even our president. I mean, he hasn't curbed anything on far as looting is concerned. He hasn't said one word since the spree of stolen money is going on and on in every institution. I mean, just the other day, the post office is gone. Right. A uh, couple of other institutions are gone. I mean, it's really sick in the country. The pricings, oh my God. And people are living, I would say, really, really bad at the moment because everything has gone expensive. How a layman can live in this country anymore is becoming a frightening. And yet, these guys got so much of billions of taxpayers' money to mess around with. And I can never understand. There was just the other day, the tax man, he's trying to rake up money here, there, 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 there wherever it is, right? But what does all this is taxpayers' money? It's our money that they're abusing. And abusing in a major way. And not, as you said earlier, not in millions anymore. Now it's billions, is heading to trillions. Believe me or not. That's how crazy it is. It's gone. I don't know how to explain these things. Now this is only tip of the iceberg. I mean, one incident happened suddenly because they got caught out. I saw a guy jump in a car in the backseat with a gun, with a, like an AK-47 with him, a R5. I mean, these guys are crazy, man. You know what? Which means they have the law in their own hands besides even hitting or whatever, or smashing a guy. They have the authority to shoot everybody too. So which means your life is also in danger. So what happens to innocent, decent people on the road everywhere? I don't know how to explain it. I had a guy from India the other day. We were busy chatting. I said, something is wrong with our society, man. We all gone crazy in this country. I'm serious. I don't know. You walk in the street, you're getting messed up. You don't know whether you're going to get shot. You, you drive in the road, you're going to get messed up, your public road. Uh, and then you don't know this blue light guys, this government guys, especially they take the law in their own hands. I think in a very, very simple way. It's just arrogance and uh, money. That's all they're interested in, in reaping the benefits of the country of taxpayers' money. That's how bad it is. Yes, sir, Shiraz, as you said, you know, taxpayers' money are being uh, looted, are being wasted in, uh, you know, and uh, we know that uh, since, uh, uh, you know, after Madiba, uh, in, in, I mean, uh, 29 years in uh, uh, in, in our democracy, it seems as if everything has gone a pear shape and, uh, you know, the looting uh, just carries on. Uh, our President Suram Poza has been exonerated uh, in the Pala yes. Pala thing. And, you know, yeah. it seems as if even the Zondo Commission, uh, the whole, um, yes. you know, the, the whole fiasco, people are calling it now, uh, even billions are spent there. Uh, but uh, nothing's uh, being happening there. Uh, even uh, Zondo himself, uh, Chief Justice Zondo, says that you know nothing he can do about it because uh, yeah. uh, it's, it's sad that uh, no actions have been taken. And it seems as if uh, that uh, this country uh, has a uh, 
you know, a, a lawless system. Uh, it seems that criminality is paying off. Uh, you look at what happened uh, with the uh, Zama Zamas in, uh, you know, in, in Boxburg. I mean, it, it yes. was because of the, the, the gas cylinders that they uh, left out there that were leaking, that so many people have lost their lives. And the people there that are living uh, in the East Run are afraid that one day the whole East Run will sink into the hole because of what's going on, the illegal mining and so forth. And then I don't know if you saw that uh, program on Al Jazeera, the type of people uh, that were, you know, um, that were pointed out uh, that were doing uh, this gold uh, laundering from this end to that end and so forth. I mean, there were a lot of uh, people that had our, like our name uh, over there. But uh, talk to me about this scenario, uh, Shiraz. What goes through your mind? Yeah, well, look, you know what, as I said, it's so chaotic. It's beyond control now because it's everyone seems to be doing it. That, that, that Indian girl or so, what's her name, that, that uh, what's her name, Pele girl or so, how she got involved with this whole entire episode as far as, uh, uh, I would say, ESCOM is concerned. But what beats me in this whole entire thing? They employed Shamila Batoy. What has she done? I mean, I don't know. She's been there in the prosecution issue. She hasn't done anything much far as I'm concerned. Nothing, nothing, nothing. And so now what you're saying is correct. Zondo Commission, the poor guy can't do nothing because they're hammered him. He has opened up files on a lot of things. Do you know how much that costed us also? How many billions it cost us for him to do that commission? How many people got implicated in the commission but what up to today? Anyone got caught? Nobody. No one. It's so sad. They just... They so because they got everything under control from the top to the bottom. They are all uh, thieves, bottom line thieves, and it's sad because again they don't have a conscience in their lives to be politics, to be in politicians, to be where the positions they take advantage of it, you know. And they got connections. It's it's sad. It's very very sad. I don't know how to explain you because he's gone sick. Believe me, he's gone sick. Beyond control, beyond control. And remember, we're having our elections next year. So I don't know how to explain it, what's going to happen. You know, it's becoming a really, really mess in this country. Yes, Shirada, when you look at, uh, you know, uh, keeping on the theme of uh, security, when you look at uh, security around the world, I mean, world presidents, uh, you look at, uh, you know, uh, the American president, and then you look at the uh, Chinese, and then you look at the Russians, or even the Turkish uh, presidents, and, uh, you know, they have such tight securities around them. You know, it's uh, like uh, when they're going out, uh, they're protecting the the president against an imminent uh, civil war that will be... uh, Yes. perpetrated on the leadership yes. but you know really speaking leadership should be so popular should be uh, yes. so loved by the people that you know there shouldn't Absolutely. be any security around the person i mean he should be loved and he should feel the the, the warmth of his people but it seems like every leader every president today has to be protected not from his enemies but from his own citizens why is that so shiraz you see, you see, we were talking about it the other day. I had someone here. We were having a good chat about it. People, politicians have lost the plot. It's no more about the citizens of the country. It's about themselves. It's about them making decisions and cream as long as you can from the country's coffers, the fiscus, the, uh, the taxpayers' money. And everywhere in the world is the same, bottom line. Now, protecting the and the amount, if you look at it carefully, the amount of money spent for the security systems, it is, oh man, it goes into billions and billions in all countries, every country, if you look at it, right? But yet they can't protect a guy like Imran Khan in, in Pakistan, right? But yet everywhere else you see, it's gone really crazy. People have forgotten that politics, you are there for the people. You are there to serve the people. You're chosen there to serve the people. This is where the difference is now. I think what happened, everybody else is only there because of South Africa. They set up a terrible precedent now. Everyone now wants to go into politics because of the money. But they forget what they have, the responsibilities are. They forget the people of the country. They forget about upliftment. They forget about empowerment. They forget about everything. So basically, it's all the same now. Everyone is there for politics just for money. Systems are wrong. Uh, the need is wrong. You know, you're there to serve, but what you're doing, you're crooked like hell. South Africa, oh my God, I, I, I don't know how to explain it to you. Every other day, you know, is a problem. As I said, there's so many things you can't, it's, beyond, it's gone beyond control now. 
There's so many things happening every minute of the day which we don't even know. That's how sad it is in this country now and all over the world too now because we're almost on a brink of war now. I just read another article today. Uh, 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 Ukraine is asking uh, quickly, quickly push us into the NATO issue, which means they're heading for a war. They're looking for a war. They're looking to make a world war now in the, in the world. That's how sad it is now. What's going to happen? We don't know. What's going to happen tomorrow? We don't know. But that's how bad politics and money and and wealth and greed has set in to the world out of people. That's the problem. Yeah, Shiraza, you know, when we talk about security, keeping on the theme of security, and uh, perhaps, uh, you know, one of the uh, biggest uh, industries on earth is the armaments industry. And, you know, that industry yes. has to keep on going uh, and how it keeps on going is by them creating wars, wars and more wars. And now since uh, paranoia is being created, not only in our context of South Africa, but perhaps around the world. And who's uh, benefiting once again are those uh, manufacturers of uh, surveillance cameras or guns yes. because there's so many security companies that are, you know, um, springing up here, there and everywhere. So obviously they're buying uh, surveillance cameras, they're buying uh, uh, arms and ammunition, some are even buying tanks and so forth. And, uh, you know, we're living in gated communities, uh, no more like, you know, in the young days, you just walked out and you walked uh, down at, even if you walked to the beachfront, if you lived in Durban at midnight, you were assured of uh, going safely uh, with no one mugging you or no one even handling you because it was such a safe environment what's your thoughts on all these on, on all these scenarios that i've thrown to you i think what's happening now is is, is a very sad issue and a, and a very sad era we, we've been through in the world and especially in south africa you're not safe anywhere whether you're in your car whether you're at the beach or whether you're anywhere else you are you are frightened to come to your own home believe me or not that's how bad it is gone People are all running around in cars looking for lux around. They hit you, they take your phone, guns. And what's sad is life has become so cheap. For a small thing, you may not have anything, you get hit, you get blown, you get... You know, uh, I don't know how to explain this. You know, it's, 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 it's gone. We're living in terrible times. And uh, you're right. Armaments, uh, the U.S. countries who make arms, they've been making a fortune to create wars. Now people are catching up with them. The world is catching up with them. Everyone is coming to know that you're creating wars and then you're stealing from countries. You're just going ahead and, uh, you know, you're making big money from armaments. It's a, it's, a, it's a real, real sick situation, believe me or not. It's terrible. Absolutely. You know uh, why we're there? The other day I picked up the article and I was thinking of, you won't believe it, Adnan Khashoggi. Yes. Right. Remember Adnan Khashoggi, right? He made a fortune. He was a Saudi Arabian. He made a fortune on arms. He was an arms dealer, right? But he did it clean. But uh, but he made himself a fortune because he was pushing from year to year. He was just a middle man. And he made a fortune on arms. So you can imagine what happens to countries, what demand countries are making on arms and what they need and to arm themselves, whether they're soldiers there, whatever, whatever country it is. It is a massive city and a massive business. And that's what's how sad it is. Yeah, unfortunately, when we talk about, uh, you know, arms industry, we know the Russians are in it, uh, the Chinese and uh, the Americans are, you know, uh, perhaps, uh, you know, one of the big suppliers. Uh, But the irony of the whole situation is uh, one of the biggest buyers of uh, the uh, arms are uh, so-called Muslim countries, you know, look like uh, the Emiratis and uh, Saudi Arabia. And uh, you go around, you know, they're buying their arms and uh, ammunition. But uh, what is being sold to them is uh, shocking because it is, uh, you know, it is mentioned. Oh, it's alleged that uh, the, uh, the type of armaments uh, that uh, the, Saudi, uh, the Saudis are buying from the Americans are uh, things that are obsolete, yeah. and uh, some of them are misfiring, not even working. And uh, when these guys yeah. buy the arms and ammunition, they don't even know how to handle them, or they don't even know how to fly, the, uh, fly those uh, planes and all that. So sure. in other words, they have to employ the very guys uh, that are uh, you know, the biggest supporters of Zionist Israel, supplying these yes. people and so forth. I mean, uh, you can't be that uh, foolish uh, not to see what uh, the writing is on the wall. I mean, if you look at uh, the Hajj season that uh, went by yes. and uh, the Americans yeah. uh, were there uh, in, in full force with their surveillance, watching uh, yes. American citizens uh, that are, you know, in Muslim organizations under their surveillance uh, using AI technology, 
with the blessings of the Saudias. And uh, you can see that uh, what type of security are you talking about? What type of uh, armaments you're buying? It's only you are used as a cash cow. What's your thoughts, uh, yes. Shiraz? No, absolutely, absolutely. You see, you see, what's happening with the U.S. and uh, and uh, the Saudis at the moment is very interesting because uh, the Saudis, remember, they turned their head towards the east now, right? Uh, Salman, Salman, he turned his head towards the east, towards Russia, and BRICS is he's dying to join BRICS and all these countries, right? Because he was hacked for all these years with the petrodollar and all that in the USA with uh, with the oil issue. But what's interesting right now is that. Saudis, what happened, they, they never, they lost billions and billions and trillions because they were using the Americans uh, as, as, as a, how to put it, as security in the country, which never yet finish. They never yet get over with it and chase them away and sort it all out there. They're coming to that level, I think so, slowly. But what's happening is, you're right, the Americans are so shrewd and so clever. They sell them the arms, that they, they people, the technology is so advanced that those people cannot use it. So what they do is they have to call their own people there and they get paid in a big time, you see, in the U.S. So if, uh, the U.S. people, that are, they're looking after the harbor there, they're looking after the Saudis, they're looking out. It's a very sad, and Israelis especially. Uh, Israelis, you know, they produce it. There was one incident that I know of, I came across was this, uh, when India, India was another culprit, where when, when Modi went to uh, Saudi Arabia, I mean, sorry, when he went to the, uh, yeah, when he went to Israel, right, he, tied up one of the finest, biggest deals of ammunition. And he asked these guys, how come you guys are so perfect with aiming? So the Israelis told him, come here, i show you. They took that arms and they pointed at a certain house of the poor Palestinians and they blew it, right? So they said the target is so fantastic. That's a point when Modi ordered billions of armaments from Israel. And that's how so close he's with them in regarding and he's supporting the issue. So I'm just trying to tell you how bad is it gone. It's all about uh, power. It's all about arms. It's all about money. It's just money exchanges. And it's just going to go on and on and on. And all over is basically is the same, basically. That's what's happening. And it's sad. It's sad that what you said is correct. Our Muslim countries, uh, I don't understand them, you know, they they just going ahead and they just believe these guys are gods, these guys are whatever it is. And yet, everywhere else you can support these countries who are making the arms is no problem. But these guys will just support the Americans. Americans, I was telling somebody the other day, they have never ever won a war, they're big bouts. They have never won a war in their entire life. Believe me or not. Vietnam, they caught it. Afghanistan, they caught it. Where else? Mm. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah, it'll be what they 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 did not guerrilla warfare guys. You know, our Buddha guys will finish them if they come here man to man. You know what I'm trying to say. Mm. So so yeah. So what's happening is uh, I think it's it, it's a very sad situation. Why should we spend when people are starving on armaments? Why should we spend so much of money just for protection when when the time our people look at. Look at the amount of beggars in the streets. Look at the amount of poor homes. Look at the amount of people they can't afford. It's coming to a brink of a situation where people cannot put even food on the table for their families. That's how bad life is gone now. So, and you're spending, yet you're spending billions, again, sadly, that the governments of the world have to, there has to be a change in the world, believe me or not, there has to be a change. And change the whole entire system of uh, our criteria on politicians, on education, on all these things has to be changed. And the systems of government, South Africa at the moment is going through a tremendous uh, period of uh, how uh, MPs are chosen because we we are, uh, our whole system is not correct in our country in the sense that people are chosen and it's a number game. You get it? And that's why India has forcefully put the issue of the minorities. South Africa is the same. The government is implementing uh, black empowerment. Yes, we, we, the coloreds, the blacks, always supposed to have been black, which you can still take it up constitutionally and we'll be fine, no problem. But what's going on the ground and lower is that they're implementing these issues here. America has just changed the law, by the way, for universities now. No more PEE nonsense in the U.S. anymore. It just passed a law a few days ago. It was signed, right? South Africa has to also change and uh, politically and uh, racially, they have to come up and work together. 
the dream of our rainbow nation has been collapsed, has been elapsed. It's sad, very, very sad. You see, Shiraz, you bring in the dreams of the Rainbow Nation has uh, collapsed and so forth. But, uh, you know, uh, maybe some of the reasons, uh, one of them say uh, this is also, uh, you know, uh, an allegation uh, that uh, the uh, trade unions have uh, been complicit, uh, you know, with the ANC in bringing down, uh, you know, the state structures like ESCOM going down and uh, uh, South African Airways and you name a few other entities uh, that were actually brought right to uh, ground zero and, uh, you know, uh, in, in the case of uh, SAA resold as SAFA and uh, suddenly within a year or so making a, a brilliant yeah. profit and so, uh, so forth. Uh, the, the question begs, uh, you know, the trade unions, I mean, you looked at America, there's no trade unions, there is banned. And also when you look at the, I think, uh, Britain, there's no such thing as trade unions. When they had unions, uh, it's, it's to bring the whole country to a standstill. And uh, yeah, you right. know, we are more toy-toying and having more strikes uh, than people yeah. working. And because yeah. of, uh, you know, trade unions and uh, so forth, uh, a lot of people, uh, you know, just uh, leave their job because they're not getting the right pay, but then eventually end, end up uh, being uh, beggars. And uh, I mean, you look at uh, these people uh, uh, interfering in uh, domestic issues. I would say if you can't yes. pay a basic wages of 4,000, leave your job. And then what has the, the, yeah. the poor you know, the home executive, if you've got no job yeah. to, to go to? Yeah. Uh, I mean, talk to us, Shiraz, because you've been in politics also. You, you, you chose a beautiful topic, because that's my forte, about the union issue. I was always saying, number one, you can have a union, Right. But the union must never be in bed with a political party. Okay, that's a step one. Right. It is no such thing. It shouldn't be. But when COSATO was formed and when it aligned with the ANC, they took advantage of the situation here in this country. All they do, they are, I call them, guess what I call them, you'll never believe it. I call them armchair critics. They don't go there and resolve an education issue. They got no one qualified to do it. But what they say, they demand only thing they can do is strike, demand more money, more money, more money, more money. And they are, let me tell you something else. The unions are making a fortune with the poor workers' subs. They're using that as an excuse, right? But they're making a fortune, and they're also crooked as hell. Now, what we should do basically in South Africa, I have actually one of the guys that for years been saying the same thing. In fact, when I was a corporate and terror, and I was saying the same thing. Right. Unions should not be in, in bed with the ruling party of all government. They should be an independent institution. They should be totally. And secondly, all your, 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 your civil servants, example, your police, your army, your, your, your navy, all shouldn't be part of, your, of a political party. Bottom line, period. They should be a neutral, even uh, they should be neutral because they are there for the purpose to protect the people and the country, basically. Right. But our unions have gone overboard. They are not interested. They are not interested in people's jobs. They're not, they're not interested. They're only interested in their money. The more members they have, the more subs they get. And the sad thing is, our people, our workers in this country never yet foresee it. Never. Never, ever, ever, ever learned. They need to be educated more about it, where unions should become independent. Everything, as you, as you mentioned, quite a bit of the SOEs. SA, basically, it's about the wages. But... Let me put it another way. It's to do with nepotism. That's the bigger problem. You got your unions, then within the ANC ruling party who's bed with them, you got nepotism for chummies. And what happens is they just abuse the system. It's about stealing. They're every SAA is just be one of the finest airlines in the world. What happened to it? Danel, we used to be one of the finest manufacturer of arms in the world. Every country, Saudi was interested in buying it too. Right, they are interested. The post office, which is, I believe, the most important institution in the whole country, they had it every every nook and corner. There was a post office. You go to a farm, there's a post office there. What they have done with it? They are they got haven't got qualified people. They put in their own people, steal and cream the system. Everything is messed. Bottom line, there is no. They don't want to sell it. People have asked, look, let us sell it, let us buy it. They're not interested in that. Too. So I don't know. So they just want to keep it. So it continues to creep it until it collapses. Everything has collapsed, believe me or not. Believe me, believe me, it has collapsed. It's sad. Yeah, Shiraz, you talk about the unions uh, collecting a lot of subs, and I believe they have uh, uh, in the bank balance, uh, maybe not uh, billions. Uh, uh, what are they doing with the money? 
Are they, you know, show me one project that they have done for those uh, workers of theirs that gave them the subs, uh, Shiraz? Nothing, nothing. They are actually just as bad as the ANC also reparty. They are all thieves. They are enjoying their lives. Personally, they are stealing out of there like no man's business. Believe me or not, they are not interested in nothing. As I said, the sad side is people have put focus, all these leaders have put focus on money more than the people of the country. And that's where they lost the plot. And that's where it's going to be a major problem and a catastrophe in the country. And I don't know what's going to happen next year. Uh, what's going, what can I say? I don't know. But it's very, very interesting. We're going through interesting times. Uh, all the uh, maybe maybe there's another way. I thought of it. I said maybe they're collapsing these institutions so then they can buy it like they they offered SAA for fifty rand to sell it to their own jobbies. Praveen Gordon did that. Mm. You get it. Uh, it's sick, man. I don't understand. So they can sell it to the Chomis and uplift it again, put the money in there and let it rock again. I don't understand. What's on their mindset? I have no idea. But I think personally it's nepotism and just steal. It's just clean it, clean it, clean it. And they all got away with it. Who got involved yet? You tell me. You show me. Show me one person that had to put up there and said, look, this man here has stolen or this woman has stolen billions from this institution. She's going to go in jail or she's wearing an orange overall. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Sweet, nothing. That's how sad it is, my brother. Yeah, when you're looking at the municipalities in the country, you know, the none of them have a clean audit. I mean, everyone is in arrears and so forth. And uh, you look at Itikweni, uh, where they are waiting for you to pay your rates and taxes or you pay your accounts and your water and rates and taxes. Uh, and that's uh, they, they, they're not worried about the infra- infrastructure. They're not worried about service deliveries. They're worried about the salary that they get from uh, uh, those, uh, you know, uh, uh, hardworking people that are paying the rates and taxes sure. to them. And, and now uh, it believes that, that Itikweni has uh, uh, the highest uh, increase in uh, their tariffs. And uh, tell me, yes. Shiraz, I mean, what type of thinking is this? Uh, what type of, uh, uh, you know, government do we have? Or what type of uh, local municipality we have that even Durban is gone to, uh, virtually it's gone to the, to the rags? And, uh, you know, I don't know what other superlatives to use. Uh, talk to me about uh, uh, Itikweni. You know, you, know, you know, first of all, Itikweni, we used to be the finest run municipality in the world, personally, number one. Used to, it got so much of revenue. It is unbelievable. Your escrow money goes there. You know, they make a profit on it, by the way. They collect your money and they make a profit on it. And then X amount, ESCOM charges them X amount. The municipality, that's how ESCOM makes money. All your water accounts go there. All your rates and taxes go there. Everything goes there, basically, right? Now, what happens? When that institution like the Etiquini is so big, right, it's been, I would say, stolen from there within it. To spend, you know, I was in a couple of uh, uh, municipal meetings and I used to sit there and just listen to a couple of things, right? You won't believe it. Uh, they used to use the ruling party, used to use the majority number, number. And that time, this guy was the speaker also, the Logi Naidu, right? Uh, when, while he was there, he was there, he was a speaker in parliament, I mean, in the municipality. And he just sits there and then he says, okay, we're going to spend. 300,000 rand for an ex-orchestra or something like that, right? And I was sitting there and watching what's happening. Guess what? They all put their hands up. The ANC guys. Every one of them. So they were majority number. You got no, you got no say in it, personally. There's no balance of power. So what happens? They release the money. Go. And what happens? Which of our people here loved orchestra music? You tell me. Nobody. Right? So I'm just trying to say... These are the things that have been happening. It's just abuse of funds, of public money, period. That's it. And they messed it up. We used to have, I was talking to overseas guys about a few days back. They were talking about water. I said, do you know Durban, my city? We used to have the finest water in the world. Today, it's gone into, I don't know what to say. Hey, they're talking about E. coli. They're talking about muddy water. is mixing with sewage. Hey, God, I don't know what to say. There has been no money spent on cleanliness, infrastructure, anything of that sort. That is the problem. And abuse of money. They've got no more money for anything. Our reservoirs, hey, Brian is frightening. It is frightening, frightening, frightening. I don't know what to say. We're coming to a stage where we were in India. I mean, India before, you, you, we know we can't drink the water, right? Yeah, you're coming to that level now where you can't drink the water from the taps anymore. That's how bad it is. Sad. Hmm. 
as you say, you know, you can't. Uh, you, uh, most of the people are buying bottled water and so forth. And uh, you know, you talk about uh, coalition politics. Uh, you know, we have uh, parties like the IFP. Uh, you know, we have EFF, and then we have uh, NFP, and we have uh, DA, and all this. But it seems as if uh, even coalition politics uh, is a is a fiasco. I mean, you see what's happening in the, the in in Johannesburg. I mean, uh, you know, the the, the Al Jama had uh, its its candidates, and uh, then uh, here in um, uh, Itikweni and many other places, councillors are killing each other from the same party just to get uh, higher up the list. Uh, Shiraz, uh, yes. talk to us. Yes, look at that. That has been the most terrible situation ever. Uh, I was involved in it too, in a big way. Right? What happens is this: people just want to get that position. Do you know what a councillor earns? You'll be shocked. A councillor earns in the region of forty thousand rand a month. Right? And if you're a, if you're a fully fledged councillor of that region, right, you get a lot of perks. Also, you get a vehicle, you get your phone, you get whatever it is, and you get an office. Right? Now. That's what's coming to people are just fighting and dying to get on the list so they can get that salary. A PR counselor, same story, he earns the same salary, but he doesn't. The difference between a counselor and a PR counselor is this, that the PR counselor doesn't run the budget of that ward, but the counselor runs the budget, the financial budget. That's the difference, right? But they earn both the same salary, 40, 40 grand, right? So I'm just trying to explain you why people are jumping this way to list and go ahead. It's just about the money, about the position so they can get the money. They're not interested whether they serve the people. They're not That's why I said it from the onset. Personally, people have lost the plot. It's about greed, it's about position, and it's about money, period. That's how sad it is. The municipality, Etiquini, it's the same principles. They've got to, I've got a guy, a personal friend of mine, who does work for the Etiquini for them. I mean, basically as a plumber, right? He was just telling me about a week ago. He says, I'm not going to work. I said, what happened? He says, no, they don't have the budget. And yet they're getting so much of revenue coming in. So the question is, again, what are you doing and what are they doing with the money? That's the question. Hmm. Just being totally, totally abused, period. Hmm. That's how sad it is. Sad, sad indeed, uh, Shiraz. You know, as you said, you know, uh, we're hopping from uh, back to India now. And you know, you, you spoke yeah. earlier of uh, India. We noticed that the uh, very close alliance between uh, Saudi Arabia and India, where you know the Arabs have invested uh, very heavily in India, Aramco and so forth. You know, with the Ambati yes. Group and uh, with Modi yes. and that, and yeah. a lot of Indians yeah. are working uh, in the uh, in the Emiratis and so forth. And you yes. know, what is uh, shocking is uh, the um, Perhaps uh, you know the genocide that is being perpetrated on the Muslims in uh, in in Kashmir by the Modi regime, and also the uh, the Muslims in India are th- treated as third grade citizens. Uh, but uh, the Emiratis and uh, Saudi not even putting a, a bit of pressure on India. Why is that so? How how do you read the situation? Uh, someone that lived in India for some time and uh, got to know its uh, you know dimensions in and out, uh, Shiraz. You see, again, again, it's about investment and return. That's the problem. They're not interested. Actually, the OIC, the, 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 the Muslim Council, has actually made a lot of comments. But nobody has basically followed and listened to it and uh, said anything about it seriously. The problem is uh, uh, India is so sad that what is going through today. In fact, I would, uh, India was always my passion. I loved India. But what happened is, now I don't even feel like going because I just had a guy just came a few days ago from India. He said, the tension is bad. They went, where he was in one area, they went to the mosque and without permission, they were bulldozing it. So he asked him, uh, one of the Muslims asked him, tell us, where's, my, where's the documents to the, they couldn't prove, the police couldn't prove any documentation. Right. So they're doing it and they're doing it in order. Now, coming back to the question of the Saudis and all that, the Saudis, the problem is they know the oil is not going to last for life. So they're doing everything possible to invest here. They, they, they got a hiding in America because that's with plastic money and paper money they were working with, right? They lost leg. So they're moving off towards the east. Now they're investing in India in a big way because India has got, let me explain you, tremendous resources and the brain power. That's the issue. India has got the brain power and the resources. India actually doesn't need any country in the world personally. Because India manufactures everything from a metric to a car, aeroplane themselves. They are very good, make no mistake. Best mathematicians, 
physicians, uh, you name the fields, India's engineers, India have got it all. The problem is the internal politics within India, right? Is that, look, no doubt, Modi is making India a powerful country, yes, but the way he's going about it, it's, it's sad. Uh, he's, he's messing around with all the minorities. In fact, personally, he's also now recently I heard, he's saying that uh, the Muslims or the minorities but reapply for citizenship of India. I mean, yet the Muslims, the Mughal Empire, the Muslims were part and parcel of the revolution of the independence of India. That's how sad it is. So, it's, so I don't know how to explain it. What's wrong with him? You know, and I think it's also again the Hindutva issue and all that is basically number game again to stay in power. That's the problem because Hindus are majority in India. That is the problem. India, how much Muslims are in India? About two hundred and fifty million. That's all. That's only a quarter of the population. You see, so that is the problem. It's about power. It's about taking over the numbers, play with the number game, play with your politics, and continue with that, and kill the people in a rush, mess them my lives in a rush, make them starve in a rush. Those are the religious institutions, mess it up. So this is the problem that we are facing in the world today, and very, very sad. And again, the Saudis and all are not going to say anything. Let me tell you that right now. Mm. Why? It's about profit and loss. They rather invest in India, the resources, the brain, he invested with his, uh, uh, with his big family there also in the big numbers, right? Right. Because why? Saudi is trying every very small country, trying everything most powerful now to get other forms of investments and income because they know they can't rely on the oil forever. That is the problem. Yeah, yeah, point to emphasize there. And also, you know, we knew that um, yeah, Muhammad Ali Jinnah was not for partitioning. He didn't want, you know, uh, separate India and Pakistan. Neither was, um, uh, you know, Mahatma Gandhi. He didn't want a partitioning. But it was Jawaharlal Nehru that pushed for part partitioning. And, you know, one would have thought it would have been better if uh, India and uh, uh, you know, Pakistan were one because uh, the majority of uh, India would have been uh, Muslim then. Uh, Shiraz, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, that, that's very, very true. Actually speaking, uh, I don't think at that point in time it was about numbers or anything. It was about just uh, partitioning. Uh, I, I don't know that point in time in a partition, but imagine if Pakistan, India and uh, Bangladesh was all one country and it remained one country. Believe me or not, I think they would have been three-folds more powerful, right? As I said, I said it years ago, India is actually almost like a superpower, right? But what happened with that point in time, when they, I don't know. I think it was just simple, basic politics, right? Uh, bringing of this relations. You see, it's again, divide and rule kind of issues, right? You go your way, that's it. And that's the possibility. It could be, have been that, you know, divide and rule so you can control your own issues because religious would have been come and made a major, major impact into the countries, basically. So I, I don't know really at that point in time. Maybe I don't know, but you're right. Jawaharlal Nehru was a man in charge of that and he pushed for it and he got it. So eventually both of the countries are split up, right? But I think it was a big mistake personally because why should you bring religion in for being a powerful country? Oh, give people recognition for what they are. That's it. So it was a very, very sad situation. But however it may be, it is that way now through a turmoil right now in a terrible turmoil. Every one of those guys that are leading Pakistan now, that's including Venezuela's husband, they all are, they all got cases against them. Every one of them. Right? Yeah. They all in a mess. I'm serious. Every one of them. Yeah, sad indeed. Uh, you know, that uh, issue is another issue. And, you know, Imran yeah. Khan on uh, many interviews uh, have uh, has said uh, that uh, perhaps in hindsight he shouldn't have been uh, working with the army, but he said he had no choice but to work with them. And at that time, you know, he took uh, General Bajwa in, into his confidence. And uh, But uh, anyway, uh, Bajwa turned on him because he was already in the pocket of uh, Nawaz Sharif and the other gang. And uh, in yeah, that... Yeah, but also understand something very Egypt is a similar and Pakistan the, the the army is so wealthy and they've been controlled by the CIA and the US remember that that is an important factor that is a problem they decide who they want and they decide all of them are thieves they decide 
the army is so powerful. You don't go with the army in Pakistan, you, you're the dead man. You're dead, your life is in danger. You don't abide by their rules. Because if you look at uh, Nawaz Sharif and all of them, right? You look at Pakistan, it's very interesting. South Africa, when it was apartheid, most of the, uh, the, the, president, the prime ministers came from the defense force. Same. Pakistan is the same thing. If you look at it from years, General Zia Haq and all of them, they come from the defense. Nawaz Sharif was another one. But what's the sad thing? They sold their country. They went. It was about wealth. You know, Nawaz Sharif, how much of properties they found that they got, he's living in, in, in London. You got a shock of your life. Over 50 properties. Hmm. Hmm. It pounds. You know what I mean? So, so these are the things that's happening. It's a, it's a sad issue. As I told you, I think, you know, we almost make dua that people can change in a sense that uh, change the systems of the country where people can come down to say, listen, our people of our nation comes first. That's the difference. Mm. No use just sitting like America and saying, you know, we love America, God bless America and all. In the meantime, the government is in a mess. They don't know what they're doing. Same thing is happening. You forgot the people. How are you going to manage? How What conscience are you going to have is that you forgot the people of your country? You, as you said very beautifully earlier on, you, if you're a well-known and loved person, you can walk to the beach as a president of the country. What's the problem? You understand? Why should you have so much of security around you? So you must be did something wrong. You're frightened that someone is going to put you away or kill you. Hmm. That's not bad. You get it? Yeah. That's how bad it is. No, sad indeed. And I know a little about uh, your politics. Uh, we noticed uh, that uh, you talk about uh, Terra Lakota. Uh, I believe he's going to give it up this year, this is final year. And uh, uh, what's yes. the future future like for COPE? Uh, you know, is there any hope for COPE? Finished. Uh, finished. Finished. They're having a big problem. It was finished at the time I was involved with him. At the time we finished it anyway. <laughs> because uh, uh, Terra isn't well anyway. He's, he's diabetic and he's quite sick now. He's quite old now. He had his days. Uh, I think uh, COP is finished basically. But uh, there's other parties are coming up also. We'll see what is happening. But uh, I think people should now go and vote. Yes, you must vote. But vote for smaller parties uh, to bring in just because we can't change the constitution bring in the number game of balance of power. And this coalition thing you're mentioning, it's a, it's going to be a funny thing because my estimation or my assumption would be, I was telling, I was in a, in a dinner the other night with some friends, uh, old school friends, and we were chatting. They, they didn't believe me, I told them. I said, watch what's going to happen next year. They said, what? I said, watch. The, 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 the EFF is going to jump in bed with the ANC. They said, no, you're talking nonsense. I said that they'll, they'll make some, uh, uh, I would say, position issues and create for, for Malema. And what will happen? You watch what will happen. They will join forces to stay in power. Right? Rather, people, what they should do, think of smaller parties just for the balance of power. That's the way to it. Because you cannot change the system. You cannot. They don't even want to go for electronic voting because of the crookery and the forgery thing that's happening there. That's how bad it's gone. They say they don't have the money. The IEC say they don't have the money. I mean, I don't know how to explain it to you anymore, my brother. It's just about power, about money, about greed, and forgot the people of the country. That's the problem in the world. Mm. And as you say, we are 29 years, 30 years into our democracy. And, uh, you know, everything that we see that uh, has been built in this country was built uh, by the apartheid regime. And, uh, you know, yes. uh, perhaps I will ask you a question. Show us uh, one, uh, uh, you know, major achievement or uh, something that uh, the ANC has contributed in its uh, 29 years in power. What can ANC show uh, besides... Uh, you know, uh, bring this country to ground zero. I'll Tell us. You, I'll show you. Uh, they showed us two issues, which is very interesting and it's a joke. Right. They showed us that they're stealing and they, no one can do anything to them. The arrogance issues, right, and number one. And number two, they haven't, yes, correct, they haven't come up with any brand new institution or upliftment, nothing of the sort. Their motto of, you know, uh, uh, giving people upliftment. And what's the other thing? They made our nation into a, into a welfare state, personally. That's what happened. They made our country into a welfare state. They don't know what to do, how to care, how to continue with it. The child welfare, there's no control, the, the, the pension. Look, pension, you must go ahead with it because, I mean, Canada is a very good example. It's a democracy, but it's a, it's a democracy with social security. 
social security in a fantastic manner. Now, South Africa, there's no control of anything. This cash, 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 cash. You know, I, I know of so many young girls get child welfare. They go to the bars, they go and do their hair, they buy clothing for the poor child's, uh, I would say, needs, milk and and, and, and napkins and Vaseline and all those issues, you get it. So, and they leave the kids, they make babies, they leave the kids by the grannies in the farms. It's it's very, very sad. All because you're encouraging the system and you're making us into a welfare state. That's how bad it is. You know, you're talking about the youth and uh, young people of this country and uh, they say 55 to 60% of the population of this country is a young population. But uh, this young population, uh, Shiraz Umar, uh, is captured by uh, drugs, alcohol, and, uh, you know, promiscuity, yes. and, you know, uh, yeah, the, the, the teenage pregnancy level is unreal. I mean, it's in the hundreds of thousands. Uh, and, and then, yeah. uh, plus, it's uh, like a welfare state. The government is giving stipends uh, for them, uh, you know, yes. having children for each child gets uh, so much of money, and besides the social grants and so forth. Tell us, I mean, uh, there's no plans for the youth. Uh, there's, uh, you know, the, the, the youth is uh, basically most of them are washed out. What's your take on that? Right. First of all, they messed up the whole system of education. Right. I think I had this talk with you once before. There is a thing that you can change this country and you make it into a fantastic country. First and foremost, what you should have done, right, is to control the issue on the welfare issues. Number one. You do it like how India did. India did one thing. India did a brilliant job on 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 the for the poor, right? What they did is they formulated a system where they have these government stores, right? So all the basics like your brown rice, your beans, the basic things that are from India from the farms are very cheap for the poor people to afford, right? Secondly, I learned another system in England. I was there and I learned it is that they have a coupon system, right? Where they have these stores, so so a person a mother of the child can go there with the coupon and take the milk for the month, the napkins, the Vaseline, whatever, whatever for the kid, basically. What they're doing here, they're giving the stipend, as you say, and that is becoming a major problem. That they're fighting for. People got no jobs. The youth got no jobs. The youth are in a mess. The youth are now resorting to all these other issues. The law has gone so terrible that the drug lords are, are becoming, uh, I would say, wealthy and mafias in the country. They're given free reign. They buy the cops. Off. The police are so corrupt. So uh, I, I am thinking to a, to a stage now, how do you handle all this? As I said to you much earlier, this is tip of the iceberg. Uh, how do you handle It's totally disorganized, totally messed up. You've got the unions here involved. You've got, I don't know how to explain it to you. We have become a real welfare state. And now we're begging people are standing in the street. They don't know what to do. There's no jobs. There's no institutions because the unions' demands are so much. Right? People can't get jobs. Basically, I, I was, I tell you the truth, I was sitting across uh, Ibrahim Patel when he was that time uh, Secretary of Kosata. I was sitting on the business side opposite him. And he wrecked us on the issue because he had the whole union behind him. That's how he became a member of parliament at that point in time, because of Kosato. I have told I told him, listen to me, why don't you come up with a system where you can give people half loaf of bread instead of one loaf of bread? That means you're paying people weekly on factories and all that. So what happened? Personally, why don't you give them drop the money for these people a little bit so they can take some money home to their families, let them eat. They were not interested. They just wanted this bank shop agreement, finish and claw. We're not interested in anything. We're not interested in nothing. We just want it finished. Because the number game again, they had the power behind them. They had the people behind them. They had everything behind them. And they all worked with the ruling party that we have today. After 30 years, we've now really messed up. Don't take the whites have, yes, no doubt, built the infrastructure. But also remember this, that don't forget this. They have built this country on the blood of our people also. Remember that. And they have stolen millions too. I mean, I was I was in a meeting and I just found out uh, and I was shocked. The amount of money that flew into these NGR churches, into the white communities in billions, just for the name of religion, while they were living free. And while the rest of our country, all the non-whites, were living terrible. You get it. We can't, we can't say much about us because we, we had community people that assisted us in education. Put up ML Sultan, people like them, Ayai Kaji. You know, we were fortunate. RK Khan, we were fortunate we had Indians. And that made the white government embarrassed at that point in time. 
But the bottom line is this, that right now, currently in South Africa, we thought in the name of liberation, in the name of changing, we supported the ANC in a big way. I myself, no doubt, right, what happened now? We're sitting with a mess. We don't know what to do. Right now, we don't know what to do. Believe me or not, how to change. They don't even, do you, you say anything from the outside? They said, you, we don't believe you because you're not part of the structures or you're not a supporter of the ANC. That's how bad it's gone. If the ANC members themselves, anyone makes a noise, they tell them, no, come through the structures and talk in your word about it or something. They don't give a hell. They throw it in the bin. Believe me or not. Anything you say, anything, they're so arrogant. It has become so arrogant and beyond control that you've got no more an issue where you can change anything right now. There's only one change you can do, which is impossible, change a government. And that's hard, very, very hard, believe me. But let me be very frank. We've got organizations now, which I'm part of also. People must go out there and see it. It's called VUCA SA. We've got fantastic leadership. It's a civic organization. We're not a political party. We are saying, how can we change the system and the constitution in this country so that it go to people like independent candidates, community development, upliftment, and people must change their attitude in this country. That's the bottom line. Yeah, you know, and, uh, you know, when we started the program and you spoke about Isu Pahad, Inna Lillahi wa Inna Ilaihi Rajiun, from Allah we come and unto Allah shall we return. I knew him, uh, you know, uh, I interviewed him uh, on a few occasions uh, on CI Radio too, and uh, he was someone that, uh, you know, uh, took him for a chai at a, a well-known uh, deli that we had in our passage sure. and so forth. Sure. And, uh, you know, how do you remember him as a... Uh, uh, you know, a very close ally of Thabo Mbeki. Actually, they said Thabo Mbeki and the Pahad. Uh, Thabo Mbeki was an adopted son in the Pahad household, Shira. Uh, actually, actually, Isuk Pahad and all of them, they, they exiled to London. So that's where they were living in London, Thabo Mbeki and the Pahad brothers, right? Basically, that's how they were so close. But Isuk himself was a fantastic guy. Uh, he had good intention, he was there. But personally... Uh, they all were there f- since 94, you know, from Mandela. But he was very close to Tabo when Tabo took over after he was the successor of Mandela. And what happened, basically, after that, when Zuma came in, he just walked away from everything. But himself, Isup was a very good guy, good intention. He was brilliant. Uh, he had, in fact, in fact uh, he in fact named the club that Dynamos because it was a Russian name somewhere he found. And he named Dynamos FC. Dynamos, you know what I mean? Mm. The soccer team. Right. But Isu Pahad himself was a good guy, a pleasant man. He had good intentions. There was a lot of them like that. Ahmed Katada. You know, there were so many great guys, uh, Star Wars that we have. We're losing them all going by. But those were good guys, good intention. They want to do things for the people. But I think the laws of the political party that goes because we've got a system where we vote for a party and not for the individual. And that, you don't have a choice. The, the party, political party, that's what we're trying to change. Change the system where you don't go and vote for the political party, you vote for an individual. So you have a choice now to choose somebody to be a, a president or prime minister of the country of people's choice, not the political party. And that the ANC and the ruling party and the political, all the political parties. I, I'm telling you, I've been there, but I'm telling you, I learned the hard way. Uh, there's no more time anymore for political parties. They all are thieves. They're all in there to eat the fiscus and the public money, personally, I'm telling you. All of them. Same sorry. Yeah, before I let you go, a final question. Uh, the union. Does the sure. union need ANC or the ANC needs a union? Talk to me. All right, uh, Shiraz, are you there? Okay, that question for Shiraz, uh, who needs who there? And it seems that, that we have a, uh, contact with the Shiraz there. But Alhamdulillah, we we'll leave it at that. And, uh, you know, really looking at a very fascinating conversation with the Shiraz Umar there, talking about the ANC, talking about uh, uh, the unions, talking about India going into Saudia and uh, you know, local politics and so forth. And really uh, a great conversation with him. And, uh, yeah, what's your views, I wonder, whether the alliance of the union and the ANC, what has it produced? It has produced uh, absolutely nothing in the end. And as you said, uh, you know, parties or groups or entities enriching uh, themselves and perhaps, uh, you know, time for us to do introspections as politicians to look within ourselves and, uh, you know, what are we leaving for the future generations? And when you look at uh, what... Uh, 
uh, our president is doing, uh, you know, creating debt upon debt for who? The future generation, that they will be still in debt and paying off all these uh, people that they borrowed uh, money from. And I wonder how that will be. I mean, uh, what type of conscience uh, do our leaders have uh, thinking about the future of this country? And uh, perhaps uh, maybe also, you know, to relook at, uh, uh, you know, cadre de- uh, deployment and so forth. Has it worked? And to be honest, a real, do an honesty check and say, you know, we made a mistake here. We have done it there. We shouldn't be repeating this. And, uh, you know, maybe let's get the job done and uh, let the uh, best man get the job. Uh, who's uh, the best? Uh, let them be in a leadership uh, position, irrespective of class, color, creed. Long as, uh, you know, you're a South African, and uh, let it be for the betterment of the country. Uh, but in the end, it's all left uh, to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because the things of this world proceeds by divine decree and uh, not by uh, man's administration. I really would like to thank you uh, all uh, for tuning in to Wasail al-Ela Masadika. Lukolo, thank you very much for brilliant engineering. Our apologies uh, that we lost uh, Shiraz there. Uh, but uh, from the team and I, till we meet you again, uh, we bid you. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.